0: Hi, I'm Lou Diamond Phillips, and you're listening to Pod Clubhouse.
1: Decorating the set from Hollywood to your home with your hosts, Beth Kushnick and
0: Caroline Daly. Hey, Beth. Hey, Caroline. I am so excited today to talk commercials with you. This is a completely different facet of your career that I feel like most people never think about as a set decorator. Talk to me about how you got into commercials.
1: You know, Caroline, I actually started in the film business on commercials in those days Even before I got into the union, there were a plethora of commercials being shot in New York, and we're talking a lot of years ago, but that's how I started, and I've sort of come full circle having just completed one huge commercial for Frito-Lay with Jimmy Fallon and his family that was aired on the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I'm currently working on a commercial that you'll see during the Super Bowl.
0: When the Jimmy Fallon commercial came out and it was coming up on my Facebook feed, I was like, I know everything about that chair and a half. It was so funny.
1: Yeah, we'll tell that story.
0: Yeah. But,
1: you know, commercials do work a little bit differently in terms of the art department. Uh, Not necessarily is there always a production designer the way there usually is to collaborate with on a TV show or a film. Sometimes just the set decorators on their own. In the old days, we used to differentiate the term set decorator versus a prop master in our former union with inside props and outside props, meaning inside on the set and outside kind of gathering everything that you needed to dress the set. These days, especially since everyone's kind of shifted to TV in general, TV shows and now commercials, whether you're a behind the scenes person or you're an actor or director, it's all kind of following the bigger budget and bigger production values to keep an audience and keep advertisers happy and uh, have everybody talking about commercials. So it's, it's not something that you necessarily see in people's credentials, but there are a lot of really talented filmmakers doing commercials.
0: I feel like it's a whole different ballgame than it was at the very beginning. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you actually got your first job in the commercial world and, and basically what that looked like?
1: In those days, I actually was sort of more of a staff person at a commercial production company, and it was a way to go from one job to the next. And, you know, always as a freelance person, even though I'm a union member, it was a way to keep a salary going and stay employed. So that's really how it started. Again, in those days, the group of us working in the union, not in the union, but working, doing the job that I do was extremely small. Even even now, uh, across the country, there are you know, a couple of hundred people making a living as a set decorator. So it is a very specialized field. When you're doing commercials, you have to adopt a different way of thinking because you're really working for more than one person. Of course, you're always working for the script that is the same in TV and film. But in the commercial world, you're working for the director, the production company, the client, And the advertising agency. There are plenty of times, believe me, that all those entities, even though they're cooks in the same soup, they want to use all different ingredients. So Mm -hmm. it becomes a real balancing act. Back in the good old days of advertising... There were many, many, many more people involved, you know, for an advertising agency in those days, if you were on a commercial shoot, that was your big ticket out of the office, you know, so we would see all these advertising execs show up at the, at the stage we were building a set on or, you know, at a location we were shooting and it was their like big dress down day before you had a dress down day and, you know, here they were in the glamorous, you know, living the glamorous life on, on a shoot. And everybody sort of had to, I think, justify their, their jobs and their creativity a little bit more. So there were just in, in the old days, so many more opinions to deal with. Now, you know, through social media and the way marketing campaigns are launched, it's tighter and more efficient, You're still working for different people who, you know, have different concerns. It's interesting. It's a balancing act. The scheduling of it is something that happens almost literally the day before you shoot.
0: Oh my gosh! Not stressful at all. <laughs> no, no. I've been having oh a couple gosh. of really good weeks. <laughs> oh wow, that's crazy! Obviously, we're we're still dealing with pandemic times now, so things are a little different with Zoom meetings and things like that. But when you started, is there a vast difference between the way that commercials are shot back then versus now, or or is it really still all the same?
1: Well, now I'm definitely doing much more of my prep by computer, less shopping, less visiting a prop house, Zoom meetings and phone calls and sharing a lot of photos. My whole life has become about Google Docs and... <laughs> and, and Shared uh, edits. <laughs> you know, and honestly, it's just not it's not my bent. You know, I, right. I love the touchy-feely, see it in person and I kind of dread having this stuff show up, having not laid my eyes directly on it. But, you know, that's where, again, I'm going to be in, like, complete and utter pivot mode this week. The job I'm on shoots for four days. And we're going to be creating 13 different characters and their environments. And oh wow, we're going to knock it out of the park. The way in which it's different is... As much as you're appealing to the public, you know, social norms and where we are as a society right now really influences who is selling product and how products and their advertising agencies and their their companies want to be represented. So it it used to be a much freer time, you know, when taglines of where's the beef were prevalent and now... You have to be careful, even on a set decoration level, of what you choose, the decisions you make, the selections, how you're portraying a character. And then there are huge expectations between visual effects and shooting on location and protecting homeowners' houses. And commercials try to be expedient by, for instance, shooting more than one thing at one location. So the expectation is very high and the work is very, very quick.
0: Sorry, I was going to say, do you, do you typically work on a soundstage then? Or are you able to go on location for such quick shots?
1: We do both. There's a lot more dressing on location in commercials. There are even some houses that are known as the typical commercial house. I bet there are fans out there who could DM me and tell me what house they see over and over again on a commercial on different for different products, because there are places that are, you know, kind of made for shooting and having a crew in and out quickly. Some of the bigger sets we do create on a soundstage. Sometimes there are tax incentives to consider part of the New York state tax incentive requirement is that at least one shot is done on a stage.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) I didn't realize there'd be rules like that. Do you have a preference between a soundstage or a location for your work?
1: Well, for my work, you know, it's a double edged sword because if I'm starting on an empty soundstage, I'm tasked with creating every bit of whatever we're doing from the ground up, you know, and, and we've gone and through all the categories that I'm responsible for, from greens to hardware to furniture and lighting and wallpaper and tile and, you know, all those things. So sometimes going into a location is easier. And yet often, I find myself being tasked with going into a location and literally removing every single thing that's in the room and starting from scratch. So yes, we've got the walls and the floor, but not much else. So it's sort of 50 50. It kind of really depends on the job and the scheduling. The bigger commercials that I'm doing, they do realize, the producers do realize that it sort of all comes down to dressing locations and that a, an adequate crew is needed. The days are long. The crews are definitely pushed. And, you know, the, the difference. In doing a commercial, is it's a kind of finite time frame. You know, even if you're on a big job for two or three weeks, it's over, and and then you get to collapse. <laughs> you know, on a TV <laughs> show, you got to do the get get ready for the next episode.
0: Right. I mean, so it does seem like such a quick turnaround. What's the average length from start to finish of a commercial?
1: What I've been finding lately is that I have a week or so of prep with maybe half a week of shooting. The problem is, is that inevitably, however the storyboard and the concept begins, I find that it changes daily, even up to the last minute. Even though I've been on this particular job for six days already, I really didn't start my prep until Friday, when all of the locations scouting was done and the, the answers came through and the lists started being made. So it's, it, it's really a scramble, but I'm grateful to have a great crew, great assistance, and really a lot of support from prop houses because you tend to do a lot of rentals. When you're working on a TV show or a movie, you've got a shop and you've got places to store things. On a commercial, you know, it's kind of one and done. Everything's got to be returned or disposed of.
0: You were speaking earlier about how you have to be thoughtful about what's in a commercial these days, especially, you know, just being careful with what products you have in the shot. Like if you have a specific product you're advertising, then say you're in a kitchen, you have all these other natural products that would be there. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with clearances and, and what do you deal with like competing brands and that type of thing?
1: We must take all of that into account. When we were doing the Frito-Lay commercial, we were extremely brand aware. I'll come back to clearances in a minute, but just wanted to mention that on that job, there was actually a chip expert. A chip
0: expert? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How do we get this job?
1: (laughs) Oh, he, he, this fabulous guy has been doing the chips for Frito-Lay for so many years that now his son, his sons are doing the same job. I mean, it is a painstaking prop master kind of job. And uh, not that we were looking at other products, but for instance, having a selection of Hero Bowls, hero meaning exactly what it is, the, the actual, you know, one and only uh, hero bowl for the perfect chip or the perfect Dorito, uh, you know, that is that is really a, a job in and of itself.
0: What does one look for for a hero bowl exactly? What what are the characteristics of such a bowl?
1: Clear, clear bowls were the directive, glass or plastic, because you want to see You know, the sides of the bowl, a certain height that doesn't look too big, but is sort of expansive. You know, nothing that looks like a container, but something that really looks more like a bowl. But again, size is an issue because you don't want to look like you're serving a salad bowl size worth of potato (laughs) chips. Now, here's the thing on commercials, you have to have a really good sense of humor because. These things are critically important. You must take them very seriously, Caroline. I mean, in,
0: in, in, <laughs> I like when you say like that, to be like, Caroline. <laughs> you,
1: you must. You must really care and put an effort into finding the perfect thing. I have this happen to me a lot throughout my career. Where, let's say, I'm looking for something really, really specific, and I just can't find it. And there are times when that happens. I remember I did a commercial for Amnesty International. It was an emotional commercial. It was really thoughtful. And it was a build of different steps and different levels. All those levels were covered in pillar candles. In those days, it was before the, you know, availability of pillar candles in every store you could possibly think of. And in those days, it was before battery-operated candles. Now, you know, who would think that finding beige pillar candles was difficult? But I scoured the world for that many candles. I don't know why, but at that time, and I don't even think it was really around a holiday season, it was just impossible. It became like the one thing of the job that, of course, was the most important to create the atmosphere and, you know, something that I couldn't produce. I find myself in this situation where that always happens there's one thing the minute the job is over literally i saw pillar candles every single day <laughs> every single hour every single place i went every oddball source all of a sudden like the week after i shot that commercial had pillar candles so part of the part of the job is really to find whatever is needed at the time. Like, you know, when we were doing the Jimmy Fallon job, it was all Christmas. Now being so close to Christmas, finding things in stock and finding things available because of the supply chain issues, Mm. that was super hard, really, really hard. But my vendors came through. That's how something that starts on your list is at the bottom of the list and you just, you know, cast aside, like, okay, we, you know, that that's going to be easy. I'm going to push that off can become such <laughs> a focus and such a, a, a problem. As far as clearances go, you have to, really think about the product that you're selling, artwork, of course, always has to be cleared. So especially when we go into locations, the first thing we tend to do is take all the artwork down and replace it no matter where we are, unless, you know, we're shooting in an artist's loft and it's the, the homeowner's paintings, you know, and they're willing to sign a clearance form. That's a big issue with clearances. And then, of course, you know, if we're dressing a kitchen and we're shooting a food product we want to either purchase or uh, be given product from that company. You know, sometimes they'll be under another banner and have other product to use, or we look for generic product. And my. Yeah. Little trick, my little behind the scenes where to find generic product is always at a dollar store. You would be really, really surprised at how many things, how many items, how much packaging at a dollar store is incredibly generic.
0: Yes, it's just like soap. <laughs>
1: exactly. Simple.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: that's something that, you know, I always do a trip to the dollar store for that kind of top layer of life.
0: Beth, it's thinking about all the different commercials that you've done over the years, tell me about, about your first one.
1: I'm not sure it's necessarily my first one, but man, Carolina, I was green when I did a commercial for Snuggle, the fabric softener, with the teddy bear that I I believe they're still using to this day in in some form to sell fabric softener. And I was so not savvy that I didn't understand that actually the snuggle bear was a puppet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, under the set was the puppeteer, you know, with his hand in the bear. So You make that um, sound
0: like very, like, (laughs) like scandalous, like there's a man under the bear.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, those were my, like, innocent days, you know, at the start of the film business. And of course, you know, you always, I I mean, talk about, like, how far I've come in terms of visual effects and all of that understanding. But it was interesting to me because, of course, I had come from Little Shop of Horrors, which was uh, every night puppeteers you know, in the plant, and I was the puppeteer myself, I was the killer branch. And I guess, you know, for the whole time of prep for Snuggle, I I just didn't think about it. You know, I just saw the drawing in the storyboard of the teddy bear, and I didn't think about, you know, that bear is the character, <laughs> and it's got to move. Oh my gosh. So I think that might have been one of my first times that I kind of put together how it works. The biggest campaign that was one of my, my first was for Ethan Allen. In those days, we literally moved probably three stages of Ethan Allen furniture was delivered to the stage. You know, we probably had three stages just filled with furniture. The sets were enormous. I think we had three other stages of standing scenery. That was a situation where we weren't using anything but Ethan Allen product. So even if it was drapery or something else, we weren't shopping it at a store That was a matter of being there, inventorying everything we had, working with the production designer, who I think that might have been my first job with Stephen Hendrickson, who I collaborated with for almost every year of my career (laughs) since that job. And that was an enormous job, absolutely enormous, you know, like really a, a, a small film or more like a big film. They're memorable based on what product it was and who I was with.
0: Well, speaking of who you were with, so you're dealing with a lot of different celebrities, I'm sure, and celebrity endorsement type ads. How does that end up looking different for your job?
1: I was reminded when I realized David Bowie would have been 75 years old that I actually did a commercial that was only shown in Europe with him. It was back in 2003. We shot the entire commercial in a brownstone in lower Manhattan in the West Village. It was kind of a compilation of all of his characters. Ziggy Stardust, Aladdin Sane, Thin White Duke, Scary Monsters Clown, even creepier, the Diamond Dog, the number one David Bowie impersonator, David Brighton, who played these parts with the real David Bowie looking on at him, and it was for uh, Vitel Water. You know, we had we had a lot of downtime. We were shooting for a number of days, and we dressed all the floors, especially in the kitchen. Of this brownstone. And I remember it was mostly with people that I had not worked with before. It was a, a big honor that I got this commercial and with Bowie. And it was Europe. And, you know, they were spending a ton of money.
0: Man, Beth, how fancy is that? You got Europe and Bowie Good lord!
1: And especially for me, a lifelong Bowie fan. And, you know, it was so hot. It was the middle of August. And the brownstone wasn't well air-conditioned. And everybody was cranky and there was all this downtime in between the changes for david the impersonator for all the hair and makeup and wardrobe i remember just being on this really thin little staircase the bottom of the stairs bowie just sat down and he just started talking to me while we were waiting for everybody to get ready it was just an intense experience. I was having like an out-of-body experience because we were just talking about the weather and New York and, you know, run-of-the-mill stuff.
0: Right? Turns out celebrities are regular people. <laughs> Completely.
1: Because I've had my fair share of celebrities who don't consider themselves regular
0: people. <laughs> They're not from our planet. No, no, no. <laughs>
1: that, that, that's
0: a whole other podcast full of stories.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. He was He was such a perfect gentle spirit and just so kind and appreciative and it was really cool it was one of my better commercials the other one that brings to mind celebrity wise is a commercial I did recently that involves a really great purchase I made of a chair and a half was for the Frito-Lay commercial There was a shot of Jimmy Fallon with his two daughters sitting next to each other, and he's reading his actual book that he wrote, his children's book. When we were dressing the location, it seemed like I don't know how they're all gonna fit in a regular chair so you know I I said I think we should get a chair and a half and everyone looked at me like I was crazy because they hadn't ever heard of a chair and a half
0: is that is it like of a time Beth because I certainly know what a chair and a half is so is it is is it not called that anymore what what is the deal
1: I don't know. I, maybe it's not called that anymore, but the people I was with looked at me like I was crazy. But I did find a chair and a half from my, you know, one of my great go to sources, Raymore and Flanagan, and they got it to me literally the next morning. And, you know, it made the shot. It really made the shot because it was the right scale. And that is something that's very important in commercials because you're not doing big sweeping let's see the whole room shots you're doing a lot of shoot into this corner you know we're not going to see anything else but just this one area or if you do work on commercials that's called tabletop then you're literally shopping for and providing dishware pots pans because then you get into food commercials and that usually involves a food stylist. And a food stylist is someone who comes in and has all these tricks of the trade to make the food look beautiful. Not edible, but beautiful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Okay, so so that must be a whole nother thing that you have to deal with is, okay, it's one thing to put a real chip in a bowl, but I can imagine that you might have to make other allowances or think about different things when you're not even dealing with real food.
1: The backup for all these Items is much more in a commercial than, you know, for instance, how many takes are we going to do if we're in a party scene and we have confetti? If it's in a commercial and it's the prime shot of the commercial, we might be prepared for 10 takes of that to restore and do it again. You know, in a TV show or a movie, maybe a director will say, let me have enough for three takes. All those questions become a a scenario that you have to really understand and take into account. And all these hand props are really close up you know, if someone's making coffee in a commercial, you're going to see that mug. So it's super important, even down to what's on the bottom of the mug. Uh, a lot of mugs have something that's printed on them that you can't get off. That is not just a tab. So all those details inform the product, what you're doing, the storyboard, they all have to be taken into account. I could be in a situation where they say, okay, get me a white." mug well, you don't just get one white mug you get a dozen choices times ten takes.
0: oh wow, <laughs>
1: you know <laughs> I actually learned early from commercials that that's what made me a thorough and looked like I was an experienced prop person is that I understood that concept you know I would never leave anybody hanging on the set with just one choice or just enough for one take, because when you're shooting close up and everybody's hands are involved, what if someone knocks something over? What if the plate breaks? What, you know, you're in the middle of your shoot day and- Right, you're standing there empty handed.
0: Yeah, Yeah. But there seems like there's so many decisions that you're having to make. I can't imagine having all these different people that you have to deal with. How are decisions actually made in a commercial setting?
1: Well, these days, we do put together a lookbook. You know, that's something that we do for a TV show or for a film. It gets presented to the network or to the producers of a film, to the production company at a certain point. But for a commercial, we're constantly updating that lookbook, constantly pulling things in, getting feedback, taking them out. So it's much more of an immediate kind of collaboration because it's taking place over a short amount of time and people are weighing in. And when people don't like a chair. (laughs) Believe me, I hear about it. (laughs) So again, that goes back to, I remember doing a commercial for American Express. And I remember specifically sitting around a huge conference table at the agency and talking about all these various setups. And I had one of the ad agency execs ask me actually for a Biedermeyer toilet. Now, (laughs) Biedermeyer is a style of furniture, a very Mm -hmm. classic style of furniture. And I don't know if he was trying to impress us with his knowledge of antiques I don't know whether he was doing a renovation on his traditional looking home or if this was just some crazy idea that he had in his head. I think that might have been the day that I decided to stop doing commercials for a while (laughs) because I just I, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. So coming back around to being in the commercial world now, I'm really enjoying myself much more. In COVID a lot of these decisions are obviously made you know via computer, so it's not like you have to have a totally straight face. When somebody asks you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But it is the story that I I tell reflecting back on that, no matter what commercial that I'm on, because it immediately informs the listener of who I am sharing the story with that I have seen it all.
0: During COVID time. And I would hope that people wouldn't be asking for such extravagant, like crazy off the wall type ideas. I mean, I feel like there's a little bit more I want to hope you could correct me here. I want to hope there's some, you know, sense of just like common sense that like, yeah, things is. are difficult there to is. get right now. So yeah. let's be cooler than a Biedermeier toilet request. <laughs> there is. It's,
1: it's It's much more normal, I think, right now. And, you know, all of these spots that I'm working on, are hopeful and uplifting. And I think just like we talk about, you know, what are the colors of the year during COVID times? What are the commercials of this coming Super Bowl going to be? What makes us smile now more than ever? Because we need that. So that has a lot to do with, you know, how these boards are being written and, and how the products are being thought of. And, you know, it's way more enjoyable for me to be involved in something that's bringing laughter and interest and good stuff.
0: It seems like every commercial has to be like its own mini little story with a quick like plot twist and a joke and laughing. Like, I mean, they, they can't just be like, here's the product. Thank you. Move on. Like they have to be clever.
1: The consumer is more educated and informed than ever before. There are so many similar products, you know, to choose from the, you know, wide array in in any category, how things are sold, because, you know, so many things can start and become really hot on Instagram and, you know, take off from there. So when you're doing a, a national commercial that is Buying airtime, whether it's during the Thanksgiving Day parade or the Super Bowl, it's been well crafted and thought out.
0: Beth, there has to be a lot of things that you've picked up t- tips and tricks and things that you've learned on a commercial set that you've used, probably over in your film and TV world. But what is something that stands out as as like aI can't believe that exists <laughs> that I had to learn about that?
1: You know, I really did get my chops uh, you know as as a prompt person. On commercials. And because that's the way I started, you know, first the theater, then in the film business on some TV movies. My first year or two that I was working consistently was on commercials, just like the snuggle teddy bear stunned me. um, I, I remember learning actually what a spit bucket was which is when an actor is eating or drinking on a commercial and you're doing take after take after take, the prop master is there with a a spit bucket so the person doesn't have to eat the whole bite every time. Oh, wow. you know, it might sound gross, but if you're the actor or actress, believe me, you want that, you know, benefit of being able to spit. And I just thought, I mean, I, I was young, you know, I was <laughs> right. I'd be like, you... what
0: is happening? Is that person sick? <laughs> exactly.
1: I, and and I, But then I thought, wow, that is so damn smart. You know, it's like such a Pro thing. That's that's how it struck me, you know, that it was like, in the film business, we have these, in a way, I think, unwritten practices, you know, and how everybody does their job and how we all function on a set and how we interact and collaborate. And I'm thinking now about it was really commercials that taught me some of those really early lessons that I learned that, You know, I still know now to take into the work that I'm doing, you know, so when I ask a director, how many takes do you want? He feels secure and I know that I'm going to provide what's needed. And it's very full circle knowledge that I've taken from being thrown into the commercial world to whatever job I do now, whether it's a movie, a commercial, a TV show, anything. I think I, I really benefited from learning in those early days what the procedures were and they still exist.
0: So all of you out there who are thinking, do I want to be a set decorator on a film or TV show? Would you recommend that they also open their minds to things like commercials?
1: Definitely. Definitely. Uh, especially in certain states where film and television is prevalent. And, you know, that could be New York, L.A., Atlanta in North Carolina, Florida, a lot of commercials are made both for local products, you know, and national commercials. And it's a really good way to be creative and make a living.
0: Beth, I know you can't talk about specific commercials that you're working on right now, because we just know that you've got to protect privacy right now. But I need some teas. Where can we see your commercials next?
1: Well, the next commercials are going to air during the Super Bowl. Of course, I'm going to cover the behind the scenes and in front of the camera work on my Instagram, which is at Beth Kushnick. Please DM me any questions you have as the set decorator by your side. I'm available to help with any of your set decoration or interior design needs.
0: Beth, this has been an enlightening episode, and I hope that our listeners have gotten a chance to get just another glimpse behind the curtain, Beth. You're always pulling back that curtain, girl, and I love it.
1: Gotta do it. Season three, we're going to do it even more.
0: I know. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear about these commercials. Commercials are the best part of the Super Bowl, and I cannot wait to find out more about how you made these ones that are coming up.
1: Thank you for the trip down memory lane for me and going back to where I really started, thinking about how far I've come, Caroline. it's. I'm happy to be doing some commercial work right now.
0: It's amazing. And I'm so glad that we can share this all on your Instagram listeners. Don't forget to rate review and subscribe to decorating the set from Hollywood to your home at Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a five-star review. It helps a lot in promotion of the show. Five stars people. Thanks so much.
1: Decorating the set from Hollywood to your home is a original pod clubhouse production.
0: Recorded, edited, and produced at Pod Clubhouse Studios. For more information, please visit us online at podclubhouse.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.